Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker, where we get to feature remarkable leaders uh, that we are honored to hang with, riff with, and jam with. And today is no exception. We have founder and Vancouver hero, Sarah from Vitruvi. Welcome. Gosh, what an intro. Hey, thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Oh, come on. This is amazing. You have started a really sweet brand here in Vancouver. Yeah, no, it's um, awesome building a company from Vancouver. It's uh, especially like a wellness-centric company. So, mm. no, thank you so much for having me, and I'm so stoked to, to chat. Well, I want to dive right into it um, because I think, I mean, we, we all know your brand. We see your brand. We see your brand with Air Canada flying high. We see your brand in stores that we know so well, like Nordstrom and Sephora. And there's always a story that comes before your product lands in an airplane, so to speak. (laughs) And so before we get into that side of you, um, I want to know about the story of you that has brought us to today. How did Sarah get to starting a wellness company in Vancouver, British Columbia? Oh yeah. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it's, you just sort of follow your, that little voice in your head or the thing that you think about when you're walking on the seawall or when you're daydreaming the job that you're not super happy about. Or for me, it was at school and I grew up uh, with my brother, Sean, who's also my co-founder in Machosen on Vancouver Island, which is like a little um, farming community on the ocean close to Souk. And we grew up Uh, close to nature and um, farms that were supplying all the organic restaurants in Victoria and just kind of always grew up interested in wellness and and lifestyle and our parents were sort of early adopters of the organic movement but from there I worked abroad with a charity um, in high school was able to go to Kenya and Morocco and learn about some different cool wellness practices from different cultures did a degree in global health and really from an early age growing up in a small town, I didn't know kind of what jobs that were available. And so I thought, okay, I kind of want to work for myself and I'm really interested in wellness. I'll become a doctor. And I really (laughs) just kind of, yeah, I mean like there's not, my mom's a teacher and my dad, our dad's a policeman or retired policeman. So uh, it was sort of, okay, I'll be a, a doctor and kind of went down that path and was very heads down and was, um, six years into post-secondary in my first year of medical school and was just became fascinated by scent and this idea of allowing scent to influence the way you think or the way that you can create a mood and an aura in a space and long story short really just taking my experience abroad with learning about botanicals and different wellness practices from different cultures just started the brand from my bathtub um, literally, <laughs> uh, no joke. I would be in school all day and it, I would study. And the treat for me was making a bath in the evening and putting my laptop on the toilet, like balancing it and <laughs> writing blog articles about essential oils and botanicals and rituals of women around the world. And that's how it started. Wow. Um, I want to ask you about, you, you said, um, you mentioned not liking school or not liking a job. 
did you ever have a job you didn't like? Um, no, I, I mean, in university, I taught pre, like preschool nature clubs at the rec center. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've had a job that I didn't love. I worked at a vet clinic because it was like being a doctor um, oh. in high school. I really loved that. But I would say that the piece for me was after creating a goal for so long since I was 16 and then being in my first and almost second year of medical school and looking around and kind of checking my ego at the door and saying, this isn't really my tribe. This is not, I don't enjoy spending time with these people. I don't know if this is a fit for me. And so that was, I think what I would say was that unhappy, uncomfortable feeling like mm-hmm. I, I'm not engaged during the day. I'm working on this side project at lunchtime. Right. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And, and it was less about school and more about the people that you were. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The people and just like really looking to the instructors and the people we were doing practicums with, and I didn't want to be any of them. And right. that was sort of a wake up call. Wow. Yeah. It's so amazing because I know certainly in Canada, for so many people, getting into medical school is such a big deal and it, it's, you know, it can become quite the quest. So what was it like for you even just to get into medical school? Uh, it was, I think it was definitely very competitive. I uh, did a lot of science classes and was really, I think, looking back, way more interested in the lifestyle piece of it mm. and sitting down with people and learning about how they're feeling well and what other components of their life beyond medication or um, dietary could be addressed in terms of how they're taking care of themselves. So, right. uh, Yeah. Well, speaking of tribe, you've obviously very mindfully gone ahead and created a tribe that you (laughs) love. Yeah. (laughs) Co-found. That's right. Mm -hmm. The business with your brother. Um, Can you bring us up to speed? So it's been four years. Did you say Four, yeah, it's years. Been four years. You're co-founded with your brother. Um, tell us about Current State Vitruvi. Yeah, Current State Vitruvi. Uh, so it started, like I said, in our apartment. We were roommates. He had just moved from Victoria to Vancouver. And four years later, we have a, a mighty team in Vancouver where we're based. Most of our businesses in the U.S. We're the first uh, digitally native direct-to-consumer brand Um, of essential oils. It's Mm -hmm. an industry that has been around for about 30 years and uh, that hasn't had a lot of new players in it. And we create premium grade essential oil products at a fraction of the price of what they have traditionally been. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important to us in creating accessibility around wellness and natural care products. And uh, we're we're, um, available in over 300 boutiques across Canada, the U.S., Australia, and parts of Europe, and we have some awesome um, multi-store retailers like you mentioned Nordstrom, um, Anthropology, Urban Outfitters, launching with Sephora on the twenty on the twenty sixth of June, which is exciting across Amazing. Canada and the U.S. Um, and then work actually really closely with Amazon as they mm-hmm. build up their wellness um, strategy there. So it's been fun to be at the table with brands say um you know including j crew and madewell from them to nordstrom to be one of the first six brands as they launch beauty and as they launch wellness into mainstream retail this has been a learning process for all parties (laughs) 
So cool. Um, I want to go back to your brother. I mean, to think of how far you've come since bathtubs and laptops on <laughs> toilets to a team and totally um, <laughs> what it what it's like now. True story. But did you ever think of doing this on your own or with a different co-founder? Or what was your relationship or dynamic with your brother that said, "Hey, bro, it's you and I." Uh, we were always really close just from growing up in a, a really small town that had no other kids to play with. So it was really <laughs> like, okay, we're either going to be best friends or it's going to be super lonely. Right. And I'm just going to play on the beach and then in the backyard by myself. Uh, and so there was no other, I've never ever thought about starting the company with someone else. And it truly started from both of us at the very beginning from concept to Sean builds our first websites and still does work on them and we really the company wouldn't be able to exist with with either one of us alone right for sure mm -hmm. oh. um now I know from our conversations that family is obviously really important and something that you both cherish is it ever odd to when you know two business owners go back home and do family dinners become business dinners and does it intertwine like that or is it compartmentalized what does that look like for you guys yeah, that's a really good question. There's a little bit of both for sure. Uh, the positives of it is that I don't think we've been able to, we would have been able to scale as fast as we have without having that level of trust mm. and transparency and communication. And then for setting boundaries, sometimes we'll like go on a hike on the weekend and say, let's not talk about work. And we inevitably end up talking about it, which is completely fine because it really just weaves naturally throughout our conversations all the time because in, in a startup, in a high growth startup, you kind of are always on. It's sort of just part of the, it's part of the next three years of our lives, I think. And yeah. the last four, <laughs> we're kind of, we're locked in. There's some paper signed. So, um, <laughs> but with our family, when we go back to the chosen and hang out with our parents, we actually are quite intentional about not talking about it because we know my mom will bring it up enough on her own. <laughs> just excited <laughs> about it. So that usually when we go back home, we actually don't even want to talk about work. And it's just family dinners is just more our parents um, being stoked on it and, and asking questions. So leave it to them to pro awesome. probe the, the, the business into family time. Family time. Amazing. Yeah. And I mean, naturally the, the question everyone wants to know is, has it ever been less than fabulous? Um, have there any, have there been any bumps from a, a, I don't want to say a family dynamic, but um, I mean, inevitably you think that business owners have uh, some form of a hurdle. Um, do you think that having that family bond has mitigated hurdles for you along the way? Oh, for sure. I mean, we had some major bumps in the road for sure. And, and I don't, I don't know if we would have gotten through it or had uh, the same level of grit. I mean, for the first two years of the brand in full transparency, we were bottling, we were bottling uh, bottles of oil by ourselves, watching, watching reruns of TV shows until two in the morning. And we were spending all day reaching out to stores. And then we spent all evening bottling them. And this is up to the point that we were selling to anthropology. Like these wow. were large orders. And so yeah. There was just so much grit and so much just, I have your back and you have mine and we have a vision and we're going to do this that I don't think someone else would have had. And because of those early days, uh, we are just so aligned in, in vision 
and anyone that says that it's easy is just lying <laughs> or, or they've done it in a really I mean they, then I'd want to know how they did it <laughs> oh bless but it sounds like from our conversations you wouldn't have had it any other way I mean I think oh, you're, yeah. you're synonymous with grit yeah I wouldn't have done it any differently I mean we didn't pay ourselves for the first uh, couple years of the company just in, in wanting to grow a team and to do it well and to do it the right way and when you grow that way you intrinsically design the company to win mm. because you don't have any financial cushion or um, safety net to fall back on and right. so you just make it and triple check and make smart decisions and I I, I wouldn't change it for the world I, I don't want to do it again but yeah. I, I wouldn't change it <laughs> That is, uh, yeah. That is the I most honest <laughs> advice from a founder I've ever heard. I don't need to do it again, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't make me do it twice. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so your inspiration beyond the bathtub and beyond your curiosity, um, tell me about the inspiration of of the brand and, um, I mean. I mean, even as much of, uh, as the name of, of your company, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. The name, so the inspiration for the brand be came from my love of travel and exploring cultures. And I've just always been a really curious person. And that's one of the things that uh, made me curious about uh, medicine is just learning people's stories. And I love listening. And uh, so was working in the Maasai Mara with women's cooperatives in Kenya and learning about traditional wellness practices and things that they were doing there and tea ceremonies and just became completely fascinated by this concept of ritual and the necessary need for the human brain and spirit to have processes or things that are regular and systematic throughout a day or a week or a year or with their families. And that was a huge piece because I was looking at sort of our North American culture and saying, okay, what are our modern rituals and where do we see cycles and where do we get rid of negative noise or where do we come together as people? And that was the initial inspiration for our first collection, which is still the, the main stake of the brand, which is actually relaunching in a new design uh, next month. Awesome. And so that's where the concept of ritual came from, redesigning traditional botanicals for a modern day. And the name comes from a love of design. So really pairing gritty botanicals and traditional practices with a, a, a love of that I personally have of design and aesthetic. And the name Vitruvi comes from Paolo Marco Vitruvius, who was one of the very first Roman architects. And he was actually the man that discovered the symmetries um, in uh, like mathematical symmetries of in designer that mimic um, plants and people. And Leonardo da Vinci named the Vitruvian man after Vitruvius. And just knowing the same symmetries of how we're all built and designed the same. And in design, he believed that anything that we create should have three qualities and three principles, that it should have utility, that it should have functionality, and that it should have beauty. And I fell in love with that story. And that has become the design process that we have created that's proprietary to Vitruvian, our, what our designers use to make products. So we took essential oils that have um, more formally been put 
um, in a medicine cabinet or behind your bathroom counter and made them beautiful. And when we create something, it goes, okay, how is a woman using this? What's the utility? What's the function? How is it helping her? And is it beautiful? Would she want to pull it out of her purse? Is it nice enough to sit on her nightstand table? Um, could it be in her living room? So that's, Amazing. that's it. Amazing. And I love that you share that you're curious and that you have a, you know, a sense of adventure. Um, and I'm mindful that being a business owner, it can feel like running a business is, is an adventure unto itself. And I'm always curious about where, especially founders go for, it's like, where do you go for the inspiration tank? Where, where does that well of inspiration come from while you're so deep in obviously bringing your own vision to life? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I, and you're completely right. I switch between spreadsheets, Excel and contracts to mood boards <laughs> and product design and smelling bottles is right. sort of the two, the two dynamics of the yin and yang of the day. Uh, from a day-to-day -day perspective, it's long hours at the office and sitting and I try not to sit too much, but I run every evening and I have certain music playlists that are really important to me. And I go into almost a trance when I'm running and there's almost a inspiration around the design and where the brand goes. And I have a crystal clear vision of where it is in two years, five years, 10 years. Mm. And I almost go there every night and it's just a happy place because I love our brand and what it represents in the community around it. And from a larger scale of getting newness and newness and inspiration, um, it sounds cliche, but it really is travel. It's mm. anywhere from I'm in LA and I'm in New York next week and I'll just walk down Broom Street or I'll walk down uh, in Soho and just look at um, small little pop-ups and grittiness of streets. And um, I'll look at uh, vintage magazines. I have a whole collection of vintage National Geographics and I've collected Vogue since I was 16 and I'll look back at old magazines and uh, I, I like the juxtaposition of worlds. So I you go to a lot of different places from, like I said, vintage travel magazines to fashion to design um, and architecture. I'm a huge architecture nerd and could talk about concrete countertops and um, window openers for like eons. So <laughs> we won't go there. Yeah, it's kind of the blending of different worlds. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. And I love that you're inspired by things that are in paper form because that feels... Mm -hmm. Vintage Lots of paper. Our, yeah. our whole design studio at the office is post-it notes and cutouts on the wall. And when you walk in, there's rows of vintage um, National Geographics and Vogue magazines and, and uh, Polaroid photos. And I brought shells into the office from the beach yeah. that are inspiring our, our summer campaign. So it's really important as a digital brand to right. have tactile things around us. Oh, so smart. Um, you may or may not want to riff on this. I'm, I'm just curious. You mentioned that it was, I mean, almost a vintage industry, that there wasn't a ton of um, innovation or competition even. And I'm curious, when you look at the landscape right now, does, is there competition on the market and does it phase you at all? Do you look at it? question. Um, we are aware of, you know, kind of two key players in the U.S. that are multi-level marketing companies. So that basically sell essential oils by having someone sell them to someone else. And due to that structure, um, their prices are really high. Mm. And what inspires me is not um, competition, but more so 
the excitement of being able to offer a really transparently priced and manufactured product mm. that's of premium quality. So it's exciting to us and almost feels rebellious to say, hey, something you've been paying X number of dollars for for 20 years can actually be this price. And yes, it's certified organic. And yes, it's made in the USA. And right. so that's, that's what gets us lit up. But no, no, no noise or chatter around um, watching other people. It's mm-hmm. more so just like a pride in being able to create really quality products in a way that we think is important. Super cool. Um, less about competition in the space or even competition mm-hmm. for that matter, and more about the power of being a female founder. And I mean, talk about your tribe, the tribe of other female founders doing really cool shit in the world today. Uh, who do you look to um, as an inspiration? I mean, whether they're male or female and, and, and what's it like for you being a female founder in this landscape? Oh, great question. I have so many women that I look up to in terms of how they've been able to create a lifestyle around a brand, around a brand, everyone from Jenna Lyons at J crew to Diane von Furstenberg and really like creating the wrap dress across a bunch of different uh, industries and I think now is the time to be a female founder and I am lucky to have my foot in kind of almost three different industries. And it's interesting seeing what it means to be a female founder within each of them. I mean, in the beauty industry, I am um, privy to work with the executive team at Sephora and that Mm. is a powerhouse team of strong, amazing women with a vision that are so customer centric and Mm. so lovely. Another foot in wellness that's really growing and there's some really cool female founders in that space. And it's definitely interesting and another foot in tech. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is also an interesting space to be in, especially in the last year. And each one has a different vibe, but I think in general, this is a a woman's year, I would say. mm. Cool. Um, I'm mindful of time and just like that, our time has passed and we must wrap. And the last question on every podcast we host is what is making your heart beat faster? What's making my heart beat faster? Uh, recently fell in love with paddleboarding and that has become Ah. an evening, an evening practice. So that's making my heart really excited and I get it. I look forward to it in the evenings. And beyond that, I would say just the general shift towards wellness being part of a conversation. I think fitness has been part of a conversation for a long time and athleisure and movement and exercise, but people are looking more towards inside and that's becoming more mainstream thinking about the practices that nourish them and what inspires them and what, how they're taking care of themselves internally. So Mm. beyond a a sweat and that, that's, that makes me stoked. That makes me excited. Oh, woman. So cool to riff with you. I am so oh grateful gosh, that you care about wellness because it's, it is so true that it's fun to paddleboard and it's really fun to run around the seawall. But at the end of the day, if we're not taking care of what's inside, then we really don't get to enjoy the sweating athleisure life at yeah, all. But yeah. And listening to podcasts is important. And, reading. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and I mean wellness in the most um, uncliche way. Just, just, be, just thinking of, thinking of yourself, taking yes. time for you. 
Absolutely. Well, I hope that mm-hmm. our friends are taking care of themselves while listening to you. Tell them to go and take care of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and thank with you that so much for having me. Thank you.